And we continue this morning with our topic on radical love. L-O-V-E. It's an acrostic for the CCF core values. L meaning love God and love for others. O means obey God's word and his appointed authorities. We will continue this morning because last Sunday's message was more or less geared towards obeying God's word. And we uh, were not able to go to the second part, which is to obey God's appointed authorities. Now, first, we studied obey God's word. Do you believe that God wants to bless you? Do you believe it's part of God's plan that he bless you? We're not talking about prosperity gospel over here. We are talking about what the word of God says. And he says very clearly to Joshua in chapter 1 verse 8. This book referring to the Bible. The Bible as we have it today. Because during their time they had a different kind of Bible. The Old Testament was just unfolding. So they had the commands given to them by God through Moses. This book, the Bible, the Word of God, shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate it on it day and night. And you shall be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then... Because of all of the above, you read the Bible, you meditate on it, you obey everything written therein, then what will happen? Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. My friend, God wants to bless you. My friend, God wants to give you success. But it is solely dependent on your obedience, complete obedience. To the word of God. You remember this guy? Can you do this? If you cannot do this, you are not blessed. I'm just kidding. Live long and prosper. By the way, my ears are not shaped like that, okay? You can come forward later and investigate. So what happened? God gave them the word. God gave them this promise. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send out for yourselves men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. Who is going to give the land of Canaan to Israel? God. And if God says this is for you, can anyone or anything reverse or destroy or negate that promise? No. God has already given them the land. All they need to do is to go in and take possession of it. If this is a gold bar, and this belongs to Mike Santos, because he's the closest here, right? To whom does this belong? So that is Mike Santos's gold bar. But until and unless he comes and takes possession of it, it does not really belong to him. It is designated for him. 
But since he has not taken possession, it doesn't belong to him. God says, this land is for you. Go in and take possession of it. So send out 12 representatives, one from each tribe, that you, might spy, that you may spy out the land that I am giving to you. One from your father's tribes, each one a leader among them. So the story was from last week that they all went and guess what? The score was 10-2. 10 gave a bad report. 2 gave a very good report. And guess what? Majority won. They did not believe the word of God. Only two stood up for the word of God. They gave an honest, objective report. The ten, yes, we did see what these two guys, Caleb and Joshua, saw. But, here we go. Oh, the land is full of these people. They're giants. We're like grasshoppers. They began to exaggerate. They began to lie because that wasn't the truth. So what happened? Because they did not obey the word of God. God said in verse 34, Numbers 14, According to the number of days which you spied out the land, 40 days, for every day you shall bear your guilt a year, even 40 years, and you will know my opposition. The book of Revelation warns us how dreadful it is to fall into the hands of the living God. Forty years, that generation died out in the desert because they did not obey the will of the Lord. This morning, we will review again. After we obey, and we are supposed to obey God's word, we are also supposed to obey God's appointed authorities. Pastor Ricky Sartu shared with us Romans 13, verse 1 to 4. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God, and those which are, exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Why? For rulers are not cause for fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Now, does it qualify, my friends, if we look at Romans 13, verse 1 through 4, does it qualify 
that you and I only submit to a leader if that leader is worthy of the position, if that leader is politically correct or incorrect, if that political, political leader is a tyrant or not, does it qualify? It does not. God simply says, you and I must obey all authorities because there is no authority that is in its place apart from God willing it. Are you with me? A lot of people do not like our current president. But he is the president. Yes or no? Our current Philippine president. A lot of people don't like him either. But is he not the elected official of the Republic of the Philippines? Yes. And if you apply Romans 13... Should we be in subjection to this current administration? Yes. Why? Because no authority is established apart from God allowing it. There is a saying, I cannot use the first phrase because it is an expletive. Bleep goes downhill. It always travels downhill. All complaining, however, goes uphill. And eventually, all of the complaining and the grumbling will eventually reach whom? God. So God is telling us this morning, obey the earthly authorities because if you oppose the earthly authorities, you are actually in opposition to God. Clear? Clear. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. Shall we all read this? Meet yourselves, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority or... So if you're doing right, do you have anything to be afraid of? No. If you're doing something wrong, do you really have something to be afraid of? Of course. So God is telling us to submit to authorities. I have shared with you this phrase. Obedience brings blessing. But disobedience brings consequences. We've said on this pulpit and even in Manila time and time again, you are free to choose. But you are not free to escape the consequences of your choice. So obedience does bring blessing. It is a promise of God. Disobedience brings consequences. This morning, I have entitled our message, Truth or Consequence. You remember that game? Right? 
spin the button. Truth or consequence? Okay, truth. Ah, I know something about you. Aha. Or consequence. Okay, jump like a frog 15 times. All right? So that's the whole idea. Truth or consequence? Because if we obey the truth, there is blessing. If we disobey the truth, there is consequence. Let's pray. God Almighty, thank you for your word. We ask, Lord God, for you to speak through us through your word. And imbibe in our hearts, Lord, what it is you want us to learn from you. Not for knowledge, Lord God, but for obedience and application. For in our obedience, Lord God, we see the truth come alive. And we get to love you and to know you even more. Speak to us, Lord God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. What's the title of the message this morning? What do you want? Truth or consequence? Oh, let's start with the truth. What is the truth? Let's read Psalm 119, verse 149 to 151. Oh, by the way, uh, I encourage you, if I'm asking you to memorize, please do not choose Psalm 119 to memorize. Baka hindi kayo matapos. Look, it's already in verse 149 to 151 and it's not yet finished. But also don't choose Jesus' web, okay? Let's read it. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness. Revive me, O Lord, according to your ordinances. Those who follow after wickedness draw near. They are far from your law. You are near, O Lord. And all your commandments are truth. That's why you and I are supposed to read the entire Bible. The old and the new. Because all your commandments are truth. So we have to look at the truth. So that we see, are we walking in the truth? Or are we walking or impossible? consequences. Alright? So, who are the authorities over us? First Timothy 2. First of all then, I urge that entreaties, prayers, and petition and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So what is God telling us to do? Hello. Are you there? What's God telling us to do? Okay. Na, 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 na. Okay, write your answer. God is telling us, look, I urge that all entreaties, prayers, petition, and thanksgiving. What is that? Pray. Pray. Pray for whom? All men, all leaders, for the kings, all who are in authority. Why? So that you do the, do the truth, you pray for them. What will be the result? So that you may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all goodness and 
and godliness and dignity. See? So what is God telling us to do? He says, pray for all those in authority. And what will be the result? You will lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. It's radical. I don't like our president. Why will I pray for him? Because God said, pray for him. Now, I don't know what kind of prayers you are praying. Like this billionaire, he's spending his money to put out an ad. To what? To impeach the president. I'm praying, Pastor. Oh, really? Wow, praise God. What are you praying for? I pray that he get impeached. Be careful. Remember the prayer that they had in the book of Numbers? Their prayer to God was, I wish that we had just died in this wilderness. And what was the consequence? They died in the wilderness. Because they disobeyed God. Pray for your leaders that you may live quiet and tranquil lives. Now, not all leaders are really good leaders, right? But God did not make any qualification. He just said, pray for them. Now, where, do your where does your money go? When you see your pay stub, this is all I'm going to get. Why? Gross. And then who comes in right away? The IRS. Why are the IRS? You know, they're involved in this uh, targeting, these conservative groups. I will not pay my tax. I don't even know where it goes. Truth or consequence? Jesus was being tested. They asked, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Remember, they were under the rule of the Romans. And they had Zacchaeus as one of their tax collectors. And I would like to let all of us know that we have Zacchaeus right here sitting in the front, our brother Butch Bejerano. You know, we were driving and uh, then I discovered something about brother Butch. His government position in Papua New Guinea, chief tax collector. I said I should have called you up when I preached about Zacchaeus. Now, the tax collector during the time of Jesus was very much despised because they collected tax for Rome, but they also padded their pockets. So, they were trying to trap Jesus. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar? What did Jesus Christ say? But he detected their trickery and said to them, Show me a denarius, their coin. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Then render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and render and to God the things 
that are God's. Should you pay your taxes? Because God said so. That is the truth. What are the possible consequences if you don't pay your taxes? You do not have facilities. You do not have hospitals. You do not have urgent care. You do not have all of these other privileges that are supposed to come from the tax. Yes or no? And somebody might be, this is the IRS. A record show that you've not been filing your income tax for the past 10 years. And uh, I'm here to serve you that we are pulling your house. That happened to a friend of ours. They won the lotto. 20 million US dollars. They decided to get the lump sum. They got 12 million. So they bought a house, several houses. They had a, lake, a, a house in Lake Tahoe. They had a speedboat. You know, they had a house in uh, up north. So he entrusted his financial affairs to his uh, financial advisor. And lo and behold, his advisor hadn't been paying tax. The IRS comes, takes away the house, takes away the house in Lake Tahoe and the boat. Truth or consequence? Without government, we have anarchy. But the government has set in place, and we don't have to fear anything if we do what is right. What other authorities are there? Employer-employee relationship. Ephesians 6. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. What kind of employee are we? We come to work on time? 8.01? We live on time? 4.59? We do our job excellently, expeditiously when the boss is there, when he is watching. When he's not there, no work gets done. What's the Bible telling us? Employees, obey your employers. Why? You're not really working for them. You're working for God. And when you work, you work from your heart. My co-office mates cannot understand why I'm not part of the union. I have office mates who are believers in Christ, who are not only part of the union, they're actually the union representatives. So they say, Mr. Nolan, why aren't you part of the union? Oh, because I report to a higher boss. And my boss tells me, submit to my earthly employer. I'm not working for the Department of Public Social Services. 
I am working for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he tells me to obey my boss. How about if you are the boss? Oh, sorry. Look, look at the attitude. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. Not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Same idea when it comes to radical love. If I am only going to love the lovable, I'm just the same as anybody else. But radical means I love even the unlovable. I submit with respect to my boss, whether he is reasonable or not. Why? Because I am a committed follower of Jesus Christ. I should be a radical employee. Now, how about the employers? Masters, do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. If I am an employer, I should be the best employer I can. I should not be a slave driver. I should treat them as I would have me treated. Because that is what God telling us. So God is reminding us, masters, do be the same. Be good to your employees. Why? Because with God, there's no partiality. God knows what you're doing and how you're treating your employees. And you, eventually, you're also responsible to somebody higher. Well, I'm the vice president. Uh, excuse me. You have, are accountable to the president. <coughs> but I'm the president of my own company. Excuse me. You are responsible to the board of directors. Well, I'm the chairman of the board of directors. Excuse me. You're responsible to your stockholders. Oh, by the way, I am the janitor, but I also have a share, one share of stock in this company. Therefore, you are also answerable to me. <laughs> there is, remember, authority always goes up. And eventually, all authority emanates from God. So what are the possible consequences to both employees and employers? Look, James 4. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields, which have been withheld by you, cries out against you, and the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the Lord of Sabbath. Is God aware? Does God know? Does God know if we are a diligent employee? Yes. Does God know that you are the employee who says he comes late, lives early, does a bad report all the time? They have to always repeat. Are you a good employee? Are you a good and conscientious employer? You're also responsible to somebody higher. 
God knows all of these things. What are we supposed to do then? With goodwill, render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this, finish it for me. Is there going to be a payback? If you do in truth, you will receive a reward. If you don't, you will receive the consequence. What other authorities are there? Imad, Ifad. Every family, a D group. Family. We'll start with the young people. <coughs> they all just tuned out. All of them just tuned out. I'm going to put on my phone and look at my text. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Who is that complaining? Children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Oh, yes. I don't know. I mean, yes, pa. Who is that with all those uh, sidebar comments, huh? Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on earth. Oh. Children, who is the authority? Parents. Both. Parents. What are children supposed to do? Uh, obey and honor. If you obey, but you obey grumblingly, you are not honoring your parents, I have good news for you. You are still disobeying. Because the Bible tells us we should obey from the heart. If you and I are obeying externally, but inside, we are not really obeying or we are obeying grudgingly. My friend, in the guise of God, you are still disobeying. Just remember Jonah. Jonah, go there. No, I want to go here. Okay, fish, eat Jonah. Okay, okay, fish, vomit out Jonah. Okay, okay, God, I'm going to do what you ask. So he preached and 120,000 people were saved. Did he obey? Yes or no? Yes. Now he's angry. Why did you have to save these people? Is that God honoring? When you only obey externally? Even when you come to church. Why are you come to church? I'm not going to tell you why you come to church. You have to answer that question. Well, we have food later on. Okay, no problem. Well, Pastor Insong, there is Candy Crush. Okay, no problem. But why do you come to church? My friend, if you come to church expecting to get, then you have missed the point of worship. You come to church to give to God. And if you are here this morning and you're just forced to come, take it up with God. My name is not Holy Spirit. But sometimes I have a junior at the end. You deal with that with God. I come because of God. 
I obey God because I love God. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. But God, you do not know my parents. Uh, excuse me? I made them. And I gave them to you to teach you. To conform you to the image and likeness of my son. So obey them. And not only that, honor them. Why? This is the first commandment with the promise. Truth. Obey your parents. Honor your parents. Why? What is the possible consequence? You will not live long. Because the truth is, if you obey, you will live long. That's what God says, right? So that you may live long on the earth. In the book of Deuteronomy, I shared with you in the past. If the parents give up, they bring the child to the priest. We give up. He is stubborn. We cannot change him anymore. What will the priest do? The priest will put him in front of the gate and they will stone the child to death. How will you live long if they stone you to death? Truth, obey. Consequence, your life may be short. Doesn't say that, you know, you obey because your parents are so good, so kind, so like this. No, it just... Children, obey your parents in the Lord. When you obey, you obey God. When you honor your parents, you honor God. Because God is the one who gave you that command. Who else are our authorities? You know, as I was putting this together again, I said, why is it that always the wives are the first? In Ephesians, it's the same thing. Wives, you know, I don't know, huh? You think about that. You discuss that going home later. I hope you still go the same car. <laughs> First Peter chapter 3. In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands. Oh, that other one is still single. Why is he saying yes? So, who is the next authority? Husband and wife, parents and children, oh, government, right? Government. And then uh, children, uh, employers, employees. And then now we have the home life. So it, the children. And now we're dealing with the parents. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. So that if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one. Without a word. By the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. What's the truth? God wants wives to be in submission to their husbands. So that if they do not believe, they may be won over without a word but by the chaste behavior of their wife. What is the consequence? Wives, if you do not submit to your husband and it so happens that your husband is an unbeliever, we will not be able to win them over. Why? 
instead of following without the word and by behavior, what will happen is what? Wake up already. We have to go to church. You don't have a relationship with God. That's why you do not understand. Let's go now. Instead of just being the kind of wife that God wants you to be, we begin to nag the people around us. Thinking that by nagging, they will come to faith. Have you ever nagged anyone to faith in Christ? I do not know of anyone yet. I know people who have loved people to faith but never by nagging. I do not have permission to share the specifics, but I know for a fact that this person who had interest in this other person didn't like this person. But somehow along the way, that other person changed. What happened to this person? Oh, because the person became a follower of Jesus Christ. And the change was so obvious. But now they are husband and wife. From nothing to something. Because of behavior. The husband is won over by the gentle and quiet spirit of the wife. By as the husband observe the chaste behavior. Husbands, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman. Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. What's the truth? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And if you don't, what is the consequence? That is not the consequence. <laughs> because God hates divorce. You know, now that you mentioned it, I'm going to take a sidestep on that. I was watching this interview in the Philippines. Late night interview. They were interviewing this couple. Well, not the couple, just the, I think it was the girl. So, yeah, so what happened? Well, I first married husband number one and this and this and that and that. And then what happened? You know, and then I found out I'm not really happy. So what did you do? So I divorced husband number one and then I married husband number two. And then what happened? Well, I thought I would be happy, blah, 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 blah but then it didn't work. So I divorced husband number two. And then what happened? I married husband number three. And then what happened? Well, I thought I would be happy. So this is this, this, and that. So I also divorced husband number three. And the host said this. 
So divorce is not the solution then. Because if you were happy, you were not happy in marriage number one, and you thought that by divorcing this husband, you would be happy, guess what? That wasn't true because you married husband number two and you were still not happy. And you divorced husband number two and you married husband three because thinking that by divorcing husband number two, you will be happy. So divorce is not the solution, is it? Husbands, in the same way, live, cohabit with your wives in an understanding way as the weaker vessel. They are not weaker people. They're not second class to us. But God designed woman in a different way as he designed man in a different way. And husbands, we are the thermostat of the relationship. And look at the consequence. If we do not live with our wives in an understanding manner, look, I've highlighted it for you. Your prayers will be hindered. Maybe if you feel that your prayers are just hitting the ceiling and not going through to God, maybe it's time for you to check, how is my family? If I do not live with my wife in an understanding manner, my prayers will be hindered. That, my friend, is the consequence if you disobey the truth that God is telling you to do. There's still one more. Fathers. When the Bible says fathers, it means parents. Parents, do not provoke your children to anger. No, yes, though. Meron din dito, yes. I'm so happy that all around I hear yeses. Fathers, parents, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. If you and I, as parents, abdicate the instruction of God to intentionally discipline and instruct our children, do not be surprised. Maybe one day you will get a telephone call. Hi, this is the Hawthorne Police Department. Etc., etc., etc. Because parents, believe it or not, if we are not discipling our children, raising them up with instruction, somebody else some way, somehow, is teaching them. Their school, society, their friends, the media, somewhere, somehow, somebody is teaching them. So it is up to us parents to provide an atmosphere that our children will want to be with us rather than with their friends. Nothing wrong with their friends, Lord willing. But if, hey, we have a lunch. Oh, I'm going to be with my friend. Oh, your grandma and grandpa are coming over for uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, sorry, I made plans already. Uh, 
okay. But could there be something wrong? That they would rather be with somebody else and not with you? Think about that. The word here is exasperate. And I exasperate my children when I tell them to do something that I myself am not following. Oh, you go to the gym, huh? You exercise. That's good for you. You know where I'm going, right? Because the only gym that I know is Jim Welchel. Pastor Jim Welchel. I don't know any other gym. I don't go to the gym. If I go to the gym, that's where I'll eat my lunch. Government, employee-employer, family relationship, parents and children, husband and wife, children and parents, right? Last, church leaders. See, that's why I did not want to preach this because you will say that I'm doing this. Hebrews 13 verse 17, let's all, pray. Let's all read this. Obey. What is God telling all of us? Obey our church leaders. Submit to them. Why? They keep watch over your souls. My wife and I do not uh, quarrel much anymore. But when we do have a difference of opinion, many times it's when we counsel other people, why did you, you should have used this verse or used that. So we don't practically quarrel about ourselves anymore. We engage in the heated discussion sometimes about the people that we're discipling. It's no longer about us because we have this responsibility as your shepherd to make sure that each member of the flock is healthy spiritually. And is growing to be more and more like Christ. So the encouragement to all of us, and I include myself because I am accountable to Pastor Danny, to Pastor Jim, to Pastor Peter, who is also accountable to God. We did not enroll to become pastors. This is our vocation. This would be our calling. So the Bible is telling us, make the lives of our church leaders easy. By what? By obeying them. Because they are the ones who are keeping watch over our souls. And they will be the ones who will give an account to God. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. For this would be unprofitable to you. It's easy if we love one another. I just occupy the position, but I am just like you, a sinner saved by the grace of God. It's just a difference in role. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, be subject to your husband. That's the role. Children, obey your parents. That's the role. Citizens, Follow the government. That's the role. 
If we follow the truth, we'll be blessed. If we disobey the truth, we will have consequence. I have shared this with the D groups I have handled. My only intention is this. Paul writes, My children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. That is my only agenda. To see Christ formed in you. Now imagine the pain of a human being, a man having to give birth. Never heard. Never heard. But Paul is saying, I'm in labor because I see, I want to see Christ formed in you. That is a pastor's heart, my friends. Now, as we do this, as we obey the truth of God's word, let me go back to 1 Timothy. We read this, right? First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may live, we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Why? This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Verse 4, let's read it. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. My friend, your radical obedience to the Word of God may be used by God to impact your co-worker, to impact your relative, to impact your neighbor for the salvation of his or her soul. Because as you pray and as you obey, people might come to you and ask, why do you pay the right tax? Why do you go to church on Sunday? Why are you so loving and submissive to your husband? Children, why are you so obedient to your parents? Oh, it's because of our Lord Jesus Christ. What do you mean, Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have a few minutes? Can I invite you to our home? We have a Bible study tonight. Can I invite you to church? Can I tell you of my life story, how God changed me? It becomes an opportunity for the gospel. You become a magnet when people see how God has changed your life. Okay, when they see how excellent you live, they have no room to criticize. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Your behavior can draw people to Christ. Your behavior can discourage people from coming to Christ. Truth or consequence? I have good news for you, my friend. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus said in John 17, as he's praying to God the Father, I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. 
I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. God's word. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You sent me into the world. I have also sent them into the world. For, they say, for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they also may be one even as you, Father, and I in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe you sent me. Jesus Christ did not only pray for his existing disciples at the time. He prayed for those people who will come to faith in Christ through their testimony, through your testimony. So I'm telling you this morning that Jesus Christ is praying for you. So that through your life, your life may be a witness to bring people to faith in Him who died for them. Obey. Obey God's Word and obey His authorities. Obey God and God's Word and the authorities radically. Because when we do that, we become an attraction to other people. And your life, God may use to bring people to faith in Christ. Truth or consequence? This is the truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Truth, God loves you. Truth, Jesus did not come to condemn but to save. Truth, God doesn't matter. To God, it doesn't matter where you've been and what you have done. God is willing to save you right here and right now because God loves you and to prove it, he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. Consequence. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. The truth, my friends, is... God desires to save you. He desires all men to be saved. And the way to salvation is through Jesus Christ. That is the truth. But despite that truth, there is a potential consequence. If you choose not to believe in the truth, then you are already judged. Because you have not believed 
in God's only begotten Son. Are you in the truth? Are you willing to risk eternity by believing and maybe entrusting something or someone else? There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. The truth of the matter is that God loves you and desires for you to have a personal relationship with him. That's why God sent Jesus Christ. It is not a matter that when the time comes, God will judge me based on the number of good things that I have done. And hopefully I have done more good than bad. The Bible is telling us this morning, if you do not believe in the Son of God, you have already been judged. Because you have not believed what he has said about his son. Truth or consequence is always your choice. God Almighty, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is truth. And you have given us your Holy Spirit to understand your truth. You have given us your Holy Spirit to give us the power to obey your truth. God, I pray that all of us walk in the truth of your word. Not because of the blessing that follow, but because this pleases your heart. Far be it from us, Lord, to follow you only for the blessing. Thank you, Lord God, also for warning us of the potential consequences of not trusting you and trusting your word. Most importantly, Lord God, for the dire consequences that face people who do not believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only way, the only truth, the only life. God, is there, if there is anyone here this morning who still has not embraced your son Jesus Christ for salvation. God, will you speak in that still small voice? And will you allow that person to be humble enough to ask somebody how to come to faith in Christ? God, you have set your word. We who are your followers, who declare you as King of kings and Lord of lords, have that responsibility to live out your lordship in our lives. Not only in word, but also in truth. So God, will you please glorify us and glorify yourself as we walk in obedience to your truth so that your light may shine through the darkness around us so that as you bless us, Lord God, the people around us will be excited to know the God whom we know. And thank you, Lord God, for loving us just as we are, but also loving us, not allowing us to be just as we are. For you want each and every one of us to be conformed to the image and likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose precious name we pray all of these things. 
And, God, and all God's people said, Amen and Amen.